Hey, everybody, it's Thursday, and Mother's Day is on Sunday. And if you're like me, if you're the dad of little kids, then you know that for Mother's Day, you're not just supposed to like pick up a card for your wife or have your kids pick up a card for your wife, but you're supposed to, there's this sort of cultural expectation that you're supposed to gather together your little kids and have them make some kind of a craft for your wife, something that shows that you appreciate her as a mother and they appreciate her as a mother and that you have assembled something to demonstrate that. I think maybe maybe Pinterest man or Instagram has set up this expectation and I am not – I'm not a crafty fellow and I have not gathered together my little kids. Anyway, happy Mother's Day. You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. Welcome to CNA Newsroom. You are listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn, and that is our new tagline. Last July, almost one year ago, the Vatican officially recognized the heroic virtue of four laypeople, giving them the title of Venerable. That's one of several steps on the path to being officially declared a saint in the Catholic Church. Among those four laypeople was a young man named Carlo Acutis, a guy who, if he were still alive today, maybe would be your age or the same age as your children or your grandchildren. Carlo was born in 1991. He grew up in Milan. He was smart. He was like really, really, really smart. He liked computers and he was endlessly curious about Eucharistic miracles. Carlo died of leukemia in 2006 when he was just 15 years old. For Mother's Day this year, our producer Kate Vike talked with Carlo's mom, Antonia. Kate asked Antonia about her son, about what set him apart, and about how he has inspired Antonia's own faith. Here's Antonia. Everything was advanced with Carlo, everything, you know. He started to, to say the first word at three months. Five months, five months he used to speak. Mama, where are you? Mama. Since he was a child, he was particularly generous and very open to people. He used to say hello to everybody when we were going to the street. He used to say hello to, I mean, it was very, very open. But what really set Carlo apart from a very young age was his deep faith. Since he was uh, three, four years old, he showed a a big interest in uh, Christ, uh, in the um, Holy Holy Virgin. When we used to go to do a walk outside, he wanted always to enter inside the church to say hello to Jesus and to, to send kisses to the, to the cross. Antonia also remembers Carlo picking flowers to place before the Virgin Mary. So it was really very, very special. Antonia says she's not sure what or who initially inspired Carlo's love for Jesus. Carlo once had a babysitter from Poland who was Catholic. That babysitter would sometimes read the Bible to Carlo, or she'd read him the stories of the saints. One thing is for certain, though. Carlo was not inspired by his parents' example, at least early on. I was not the ideal uh, model of a Catholic mother. Both Antonia and her husband were raised Catholic, 
But for Antonia, the faith was always more cultural than personal. Even if I did the first Holy Communion and then went to Mass, then the confirmation and I went to Mass, and then when I got married, I went another time to Mass. I was quite, uh, you know, I, I was quite ignorant in things. Antonia asked for advice from a friend of hers who was a faithful Catholic. The friend connected Antonia with a priest who encouraged her to begin to study the Catholic faith. So she enrolled in a local theology program. So little by little, I started to to get closer to the church. To, I, I started to go again to mass. And uh, this was actually because of Carlo, no? Carlo, for me, was a sort of little saver. A few years later, a priest Antonia met through her studies asked her to volunteer as a youth catechist at his parish in Milan. Antonia agreed with the condition that she could bring her six-year-old son Carlo because she didn't want to leave him home alone. The priest met Carlo and decided Carlo was prepared to make his first communion early at seven years old. After receiving his first communion, Carlo became even more devoted to Jesus. Since then, Carlo never missed to go each day to Mass to do Holy Communion and to do Eucharistic Adoration, either before or after Mass. And when Antonia says Carlo never missed daily Mass, she's not joking. Their family would travel often. And she says Carlo would always find a Catholic church close to their hotel, where he could go for daily Mass. Jesus was the center of his day. Antonia says Carlo was a very happy child, who was well-known and well-liked in their community. Priests and nuns used to stop Antonia from time to time and tell her that God most certainly had a special plan for Carlo. Because Carlo was really, had really Jesus in the heart, really the pureness of Carlo. And when really you are a pure heart, you really touch uh, people's heart. The Jesuits who ran Carlo's school would tell Antonia how much Carlo impressed them. These uh, Jesuit uh, schools sometimes are very, you know, competitive. All the, all the, you know, all the, the students uh, always want to have the highest note and this and that. I mean, with Carlo, all this dynamic were, were out. Everybody loved him. Everybody, no, nobody was jealous. Carlo's classmates certainly would have had a reason to be jealous of him. He was very smart for his age and had a particular knack for computers. Antonia remembers buying Carlo university-level textbooks on computer programming when Carlo was only eight or nine years old. And uh, he used to read this uh, C, C++ book, uh, all these programs by himself, and he used to create programs, I mean, because nobody teach him. Antonia remembers Carlo would pretend he was a computer scientist. And as he grew, he began experimenting with video cameras and video editing. He'd record videos of the family pets. They had two dogs and two cats. Carlo even taught himself editing an animation software, making his own 3D animations. And he even blogged. The skill that he had, I think it was a gift of God. He was also a normal child. He used to play with the PlayStation. 
<laughs> so, but he impo- imposed himself to play once a week, only for one hour, because he wanted to, he didn't want to become a slave of these uh, technological uh, um, games, etc. He wanted to be, uh, to to be <laughs> to be free, you know. When Carlo was 11, he received the Sacrament of Confirmation. And soon after, he began to help with the catechism classes for other children at his parish. But Carlo soon realized something he found very troubling. He found that most of the children he was working with didn't understand the Mass because they never went to Mass. Carlo was astonished about this. For him, it was the most important things. Now remember, Carlo made a point to never miss daily mass and daily adoration. I mean, he used to say, I mean, when you go to a rock concert, you see thousands of people or a football match or when there is the the last phone which is released, there are queues in front of the shops. But I don't see this, this queue of people in front of the tabernacle. So he realized that people don't understand the importance of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. He used to say when uh, 2,000 years ago uh, the apostles were uh, close to Jesus and they could touch him, they could see him and uh, he used to say Carlo that we are we are luckier than the apostle who lived 2,000 years ago with Jesus because uh, if we can find Jesus uh, when we go um, under our house in the first church that we found, we can find Jesus present really with his body, his soul, his divinity. And when we receive the, as Carlos said, when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive the source of love and we are able to love always more. And this is what we, 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 we this means to be saint, you know to love, first of all, God, and then our, uh, our brothers. The source of the sanctity of Carlo was, was the Eucharist. He used to say, the Eucharist is my highway to heaven. Carlo wondered how he could help people realize the importance of the Eucharist and come to love the Eucharist as he did. Then, he put his computer programming skills to work and created a website documenting Eucharistic miracles around the world. That website is still available today, and it was the inspiration behind an exhibit on Eucharistic miracles that continues to travel around the world. The exhibition of Carlo went all over the United States, Canada, Central America, Australia, Asia, India, Europe. So a child of uh, Milano with a very, you know, very uh, simple computer because Carlo didn't have the, the most, uh, you know, the most modern uh, computer, just a simple computer, did all these things. Be, why? Because he wanted everybody to love Jesus, to understand the importance of the sacrament. When Carlo was 15, he got sick and everyone assumed it was just the flu. His classmates were all uh, ill with the flu. So everybody thought that he had the, the, the flu like all his companions. But then Carlo got more sick. 
His parents took him to see the doctor, and Carlo was diagnosed with leukemia. Antonia says the leukemia was hidden. Doctors said they wouldn't have been able to test for it. Within hours, Carlo was in a lot of pain. But Carlo never faltered in his kindness or in his faith. I mean, he accept with a smile. He was, uh, he said to me, ma, 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 I, I, from here, I won't uh, come out uh, alive. Uh, he said, I, I die happy because I never did something that would have uh, uh, made the sad Jesus. He, he was always thinking to the others. For example, when the doctor asked him, do you suffer? used to say, Mama, um, used to say, there are people who suffer much more than me, uh, always with a smile, never complaining. Carlo died within the week. The death of a child is a terrible thing, especially an only child. But Antonia feels that Jesus was preparing her and her husband for this great loss. And Jesus was a little bit prepared, also me and my husband, because of course we we get closer to the faith, we get closer to a sacramental life, and he prepared us to this moment of the the departure of Carlo and, uh, and, and the death of Carlo. He prepared us. Without the faith, I don't know how we could uh, accept the death of a child, an only child. Antonia remembers that Carlo's funeral was so full, people had to stand outside of the church. Carlo's family and friends, his classmates, local priests and nuns, and even the poor and homeless of Milan, to whom Carlo would often bring food and blankets with his mother, everyone gathered for Carlo's funeral. Devotion to Carlo spread quickly after his death. Carlo, when he died, he had a famous sanctity already. People who knew the, him started to pray straight away. Antonia began to receive countless reports from people who said Carlo changed their lives through his witness to the faith. Antonia told me that even their next-door neighbor converted to Catholicism because of Carlo's friendship and example. We really see how God had a, a design uh, over Carlo. During his life, uh, me and my husband had the, the idea that probably would have become a priest. Instead, her son Carlo could be named a saint. We'll be right back. Hi, this is CNA producer Jonah McKeown. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love listening to the kinds of stories that you hear on public radio. The kind of story that gives you a driveway moment, you know, when you're kind of like glued into your car, just listening and wanting to hear the end of a story on the radio. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing we try to bring you with CNA Newsroom. Great stories informed by our Catholic faith. If you enjoy listening to CNA Newsroom, you should be sure and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Subscribing is easy on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, and more. 
Or if you've never heard of any of those, just open whatever podcast app you have on your phone, tap the magnifying glass, and type in CNA Newsroom. Then click the subscribe button. New episodes will be delivered straight to your phone as soon as they're posted. And the best part is, it's free. It costs nothing, and it never will. When you subscribe, be sure to leave us an honest rating and leave us a review. Good ratings and more reviews help other people find our show. Thanks so much, and now, back to the episode. The Diocese of Milan opened Carlo's cause for sainthood five years after his death. This meant a full investigation into Carlo's life. They interviewed more than 300 witnesses, people who knew Carlo and could speak to his holiness. Everything was perfect. I mean, his life was uh, like a crystal, uh, you know, and the, the purity of Carlo was really extraordinary. The diocese closed the process, and Carlo was named Servant of God. And all of that documentation about Carlo and his life went to Rome, where the Vatican began an investigation into whether or not Carlo lived a life of heroic virtue. Faith, charity, hope, and then prudence, justice, fortitude, and uh, temperance. To live this virtue means uh, to say, I put God at the first place in my life, and then consequently I love the other, my, 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 my brothers, my sister. This is the secret of sanctitude. Pope Francis declared Carlo venerable on July 5th of last year. Today, the Congregation for the Causes of Saints is investigating one of many miracles attributed to Carlo's intercession. If that miracle is approved, Carlo will be beatified and named blessed. As part of that investigation, Carlo's body was exhumed last month and transferred to the Shrine of the Renunciation in Assisi. The Shrine of the Renunciation commemorates the start of St. Francis of Assisi's conversion when the great saint gave away all of his belongings. Antonia says Pope Francis asked that Carlo be moved to that shrine so it could become a place of inspiration for young people seeking holiness. If Carlo is beatified, he will need one more miracle that is approved by the Vatican before he can be officially declared a Catholic saint, something Antonia hopes to witness in her lifetime. I hope before I die, (laughs) because with the time of the church, but I am confident that it won't be so far away. I asked Antonia what it was like to raise a child who could one day be officially named a saint in the church. It was really strange for for me and my husband because the purity of Carlo, the generosity, I never had to, to say something to Carlo. It was so obedient, so nice. Four years after Carlo's death, Antonia gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl and she considers those twins a miracle. I suppose it was a grace of Carlo because I was already 44 years old. Uh, The delivery date was uh, the date of the, the death of Carlo. And although Antonia loves her children, she will admit that they sometimes help her realize just how special Carlo was. Sometimes I have to say, don't do this, don't do that. I mean, I noticed a big, <laughs> terrible difference, <laughs> even if they are, they are 
my my children as well. I mean, they are good children because they, for example, they pray the rosary today. They go to mass uh, because, I, of course, of the example of Carlo. But they are not like Carlo. There is a, really a very very big difference. Carlo has become a patron for young people. Even the Pope quoted Carlo in his latest apostolic exhortation, writing, "All are born as originals; many die as photocopies." Sanctity, we know, is something that is for everybody, but not everybody answers to this call because, unfortunately, they tend to uniform themselves to the world. They forget that they are called to heaven, and they don't think about that. The example of Carlo is very simple. I mean, he, he didn't attend any groups or any Catholic, you know, movement. He just was a, a normal uh, child that uh, attended the mass in his parish. Christ was the center of his life, and uh, is a very simple way to become saint. I mean, to go to get closer to Jesus through the sacrament and to to become uh, what. In the mind of God, already we are. He used to say, Carlo, I want to be what, in the in the mind of God, I am already to fulfill the project that God had since the eternity for each one of us. I ended my conversation with Antonia by asking how she plans to celebrate Mother's Day this year. Here's what she told me. We are very devout of the Holy Virgin. We pray the Rosary. So for me, Mother's Day is a day of the big mother, the, the Holy Mother that is uh, Our Lady. And because Carlo was so devout of the Virgin Mother, I think that celebrating the, the Holy Virgin, doing Novena, and praying the, the Virgin Mother more intensively, in my opinion, is the best way and the way probably Carlo would have liked us to celebrate this day. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Kate Bike. Thanks, Kate, for that story, and thanks, everybody, for listening. As this is our Mother's Day episode, I just want to say one thing that I have always really found beautiful was in John Paul II's letter to women, his reflection on the different kinds of mothers there are, um, his reflection on there being biological mothers and adoptive mothers and spiritual mothers and cultural mothers. John Paul II says that women who, by virtue of their own goodness, bring goodness, foster goodness in other people, foster virtue, foster joy in other people, um, are expressing an important kind of motherhood, a, a kind of motherhood that reflects the motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So if you're a woman and you don't have kids, God is still calling you, I think, to be a, a kind of mother who who brings forth goodness in the world. And that's a way of participating in Mary's maternal love and in the creative love of God himself. So thank you, women who are mothers. Thank you, women who are adoptive mothers. Thank you, women who are foster mothers. Thank you, women who are spiritual mothers. Thank you, women who are cultural mothers. Thank you, mom. And thank you to my own wife, Kate, who is an adoptive mom, a biological mom, a spiritual mom, a cultural mom, and as she often tells me when I leave my socks on the floor, not my mom. Um, But I love you anyway. Uh, CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I am your host and CNA's editor-in-chief, J.D. Flynn. 
We're produced and edited by cultural mother Kate Vike and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is Kate Vike. Special thanks to our Rome correspondent, Hannah Brockhouse, to Antonio Sozano for sharing her story with us. Thanks to moms everywhere. Have a happy Mother's Day.